Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 318 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we, we're just talking Benidorm. Benidorm World Cup in Spain. So much going on in that event, in the elite races. And we, we spend our hour and 15 minutes just concentrated on that. Uh, before we get to that conversation, a few things. Uh, starting, starting off with the CX Harris Bulletin, which, as you are familiar with if you listen to the intros of this podcast i'm going to tell you that uh you can subscribe to by going to the going to cxairs.substack.com but that's not all i want to tell you what i also want to tell you is that zach and i are looking for contributors uh we would love to have your submissions articles interviews race analysis as part of the bulletin uh, this is freelance work. This is paid work. Uh, this isn't. We ha- we have a budget, and we would like to expand our contributors to the bulletin. So, if that is something that you are interested in doing, or you know somebody who is interested in doing that type of work, we are looking for new voices in the cyclocross space. And uh, if that sounds compelling. Shoot us an email at cxhairsbulletin at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. Other than that, Wide Angle Podium, get on over to wideanglepodium.com, become a member of the Wide Angle Podium podcast network, support cycling media, support independent cycling media. We want you to be part of that. Uh, and finally, uh, yeah, Bodhi brought this up for me to remind folks, you know, a lot of our conversation that we're having in, in this podcast and other, uh, other episodes is, is about the CXR's bulletin Slack. And that, that is a, a space for people who subscribe, who are paid subscribers to the CXR's bulletin that they can hang out and talk about cyclocross. It's a super positive place. It's really fun on race day to have those conversations. If you are a new subscriber, you'll get an email that will have the link to the Slack channel in that email. If you are a subscriber that didn't look at that email or displaced it or didn't know that this was a benefit you were getting by signing up for the bulletin, shoot us an email at cxherrisbulletin at gmail.com and we'll make sure to uh, get you that invite so you can participate in those conversations. All right, I think that's it. It is episode 318 of Cyclocross Radio. We're in the media pit with Zach, Michael, and myself. We're talking about the Benidorm World Cup and dismounts and poles and awesome climbs. And we're doing all of that right now. We're back in the in the media pit. Just just one week. We're doing good. We're on a roll. We had uh I, I think there was some some talk out there about Benidorm not being finger quote real cyclocross, uh, because it's just fast and dusty. But I thought it was a pretty awesome weekend and we had some uh, some good stuff happening out there. I mean, the obvious one, the obvious point where we have to start. I mean 
of all of the things that happen in this race that are notable and worth talking about, and there are many, top of the list, Zach, top, top, top of the list, Curtis White's mustache, come on. Incredible. I I feel like we almost need to do some investigative journalism to figure out where this came from. What was the motivation? Did he see the success that Kenny had at Cyclocross Nationals in the single speed race? And he said, I need some part of that, right? Because it didn't really go how it went. Kenny is his old nemesis. I'm just really curious. So, Curtis, if you could just let the world know, if you happen to listen to this, like where the stash came from, what was the motivation? What are you going for? It's not a playoff beard. Like, are you guys okay with, uh, you know, this is the playoffs, right, of cyclocross. Are you okay with a playoff stash? So, Michael, we see on social media, Curtis has just gone radio silent. Right. Like after nationals, no updates, nothing. And then he comes on and he's like been trading hard. You know, I just didn't, I wanted to focus. I wanted to make sure that I was ready. What a play that this was all just subterfuge for growing the mustache. I mean, that's, that's gotta be like top social media moves. Yeah. I mean, like to go up Zach's point, he's debuting the the new character, which is Senor Blanco's bigote. Like, here we go. Like <laughs> the big bigote uh, of Senor Blanco. Um, I love it. I'm 10 out of 10. He's even got, does he have a little flow in the back? Is Are the locks getting longer? I mean, Curtis looking good. Uh, we, I think Spain fits you well. Um, so yeah, good to see our Americans thriving over there in those sunny lands in Spain. So here's a question for you guys. Like we've seen pitters try to grow a mustache (laughs) and it's pretty funny. So like who would you rather, who could do a better stash Vanderpool or Wout? (laughs) Oh, wow. Without a question. I I feel like it has to be. Wow. Could Vanderpool do a stash? I can see. Wow. Wow. I think Vanderpool's, I think Vanderpool's (laughs) growing a stash now. (laughs) Along with the flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like if you become a dad, like you just you can grow the stash and uh well, it's got that. I'm sure. I mean, I I don't understand why he isn't. There there should I mean like I know that mustaches in cycling are always a hit. If you are a cyclist and you grow a mustache, people will talk about it. Why doesn't wow or even well, Vanderpool's trying, but why doesn't Wild grow a mustache? I think he should. I think if he came into the classics with a mustache, dude, everybody would be so stoked and would be on the Wout train. I'll say this. I I mean, I think he could do it after he wins Flanders. I think if he's doing sideshows, I mean, it's pretty clear, right? We've established that literally he needs to win Flanders in like the next two years or yep. he's going to be a complete failure. Oh, yeah. Uh, who win the lifetime yeah. lifetime failure uh, award. So I can you really afford to like make yourself into a novelty in a sideshow when you haven't done? I don't know. I, I could see him doing a beard. I feel like a beard is more applicable for that. If he just goes full on, like disappears, you know, he's done. His cyclocross season is over, shows up with the beard. And it's just like, I mean, business. I, I would say that the beard is more appropriate for the the kind of thing that he's trying to achieve here, which is to like, you know, exercise that uh, that Flanders demon. Yeah, And there, there have been a few beards at the front of 
road racing, right? That's not unprecedented. I would love the beard. Uris Newhouse I was, has not gotten yes. enough credit. This guy is this guy is putting the beard at the front of the race. Like we've seen enough beards at the end of the race, right? That's the it's the party beard at the end of the race. You know, it was, uh, it was New Zealand, and then it was like all of North America. I mean, Yoris is like coming off his shift as a barista in Portland <laughs> and going out there and like leading the, the, the like world winning World Cup races. It's it's like. Un, an unprecedented look at the at the front of of cyclocross races in Belgium. You know, so I, I like, yeah, yeah. Like I just want to say points for him huge that Yoris's beard and the Dutch national kit, it is a good look. I was just thinking, seeing him at Benidorm, is like, I got a little, I got a little crush on Yoris. Like, just he just looks good. Now the results weren't as top as we hoped, but uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, how many times were you looking at that race going, that Dutch kit looks weird, and then realizing it was Venturini? <laughs> Venturini I mean, putting it in appearance. Well, I'm glad that you're 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 talking about kits because I mean I looked at it and I said, Wow, Lars really grew. And Lars <laughs> Lars went all in on having a beard. And it, it took me like a double take, right? And then like you look at Puck and I was like that is quite the blue kit she has. I was like, it was a very nice resplendent deep blue, but I was like, wait a second. Why? And then you see Lucinda brand. And I was like, what kit is she wearing? Who is this? I, my mind was just like, it definitely took me a hot second to adjust to all these new national championship kits. Cause I think we had grown accustomed to like Lucinda wearing the Dutch kit and Lars wearing the Dutch kit. And then like Ailey was in the world cup leaders. So we still didn't get to see the tricolor. Cause I think he was in the world cup leaders, but you know, there was some shifting of these jerseys that I, to me at least took a hot second for me to be like, Oh, and then Zoe Backstead just going right. trade team kit. Like she yeah. was just flying the trade team. Blanca Vosh, we got to see all of the colors of her kit because she wasn't in the Hungarian national kit. So, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff happening that took a little bit of, uh, you know, you're used to it on January 1st, right? Like ball happens. Uh, a little bit different this year, a little bit of change up uh, in, in our national champs. Speaking of kit, I just, we got to mention uh, Vanderpool bringing out the Sunday Whites to Benendorm. Um, bold move. How did we feel about the drone? How did we feel about the butt drone while he was wearing the white shorts? <laughs> well, I mean, at least at least he, he gave us some action on that on that climb. Well, wasn't Mikey V matching him? Yeah. White for white? He was in the white shorts. He has, too. But he has like the black center panels, I believe, where okay. Vanderpool. So he's not going all Vanderpool in. Vanderpool is exactly. all in. We, we have, I don't feel like we've seen yeah. an all in white Vanderpool in a while. Um, but it didn't, I, I think he's probably not going to wear that again. Um, considering he crashed into a pole and didn't win the race. Um, but he did ride over in his black shorts, white combo. And then I guess someone maybe drove his Lamborghini over there and he pulled out, you know, the white kid out of the, um, I don't know, bougie Spanish grocery store bag. The frunk. The way. <laughs> The, out of the front, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of out of the Erwan bag. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I just two more points on Fashion Corner. I definitely wanted to make yes. this a thing. One, a little disappointed in Wout not wearing 13 upside down, uh, a little disappointed in that oversight on his part. Uh, and my kudos of the week goes to Ryan Camp with the new team, just putting his name on the butt. 
Like, you know where Ryan Camp is like, oh, do you not know who the man in this weird kid is? I don't know who you are. One, you're near the front. What's going on with that? But two, put on the butt. I promote we should put you know what? Let's just call in. Let's let's do the Tyler Clark. Let's start putting names on jerseys, privateers. If you got to fit it in, I find it, put it diagonal, put it vertical or something, but just love the four letters on the butt. Ryan Camp, kudos to you, sir. Do you, do you want to go as far as like the the, the Armada squad and have like a, a, a numbers too? Sure. Absolutely. I, you know, like do a shtick. Like if you're a privateer, especially, and everyone's like, who is that guy in that kit? Like, I don't recognize that kit. And you're like, hey, guess what? I have a number. And then you can like go to your program and look it up. Like number 44. You're like, oh, that's Tyler Clark. Yeah. I mean, actually like cyclocross, hell, even gravel uh, is ripe for putting your name on your kit. If you literally are just the one person team, that makes so much more sense. Zach, this is great. This is, yeah, like all the Graveleros getting ready for their season. Get a new additionary kit. Put your name on the butt because you don't want to put it on the back because you'll have your hydration pack, right? So, yeah, put it on the butt, and then everybody in the pack will know whose wheel they're, they're, they're drafting. Here's, here's my argument in favor of jersey numbers in today's broadcast climate. You know, we, we talk about this a lot. We're so dependent on the drone now. If everybody's got like big ass numbers, not on their ass, but on their back, then then you can actually tell who's who from the from the top down. Like it will be revolutionary for the USCX if everybody came out in just a jersey numbers. So we already have we've already in, in, installed the analog course markers, right? Yes, we're, yes, we're doing yes. that. Let's not forget that, folks. Yeah, we're doing that, and then we complement that with with jersey numbers. It's it's going to revolutionize the game. This is great. I'm into this. Can we, I look forward to next season already. I mean, maybe this is just putting it way too past. But, uh, you know, if we could bring, since we're struggling with this, maybe we could bring back. You remember, you guys remember when they put the thing in the hockey puck? Secret track. I knew you were going to say puck tracks. I knew that this is where this was going. <laughs> I don't know about this. Oh, you don't know about oh, this, Fox. man. So there was this Fox is tracks. All right. So there's there's this wild time, and you would not believe this that this was a thing in the year of our Lord 1994. Hockey was becoming bigger than the NBA. It was the post Jordan era. Like the, the the scores were like 70 to 65. Hockey was blowing up. This. Everyone was doing it. Sports Illustrated, rest in peace. Really, I probably owe all of my lifetime in journalism now and cycling to Sports Illustrated, RIP. Uh, they wrote a, they, they had a cover story that said, is hockey bigger than basketball? And then they went on strike and hockey ended. But to get people back, they were like, you know what? No one can see the puck. I mean, ma- games weren't matches. Games were on Fox. Like broadcast TV was putting the stuff on Sundays. They put a little thing in the in the puck and it glowed blue so you could see where the puck is. So basically, instead, you know, chip timers, you know, Curtis White, you get that weird yellow uh, that your team has. Bruner, you know, you can have we can designate the Pan Am. You get blue. Just put those in and shine down on those drone footage and we can tell where where people are. Hmm. All right. Uh, or you could just give it to, to Puck Peter. So it could literally be just be puck track. Puck track. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> oh, I like it. Fox luckily, luckily, puck. puck sort of is, you can see her by the uh, the poof, the Cindy Poof Jr. Um, they So 
they, they, the, the pucks only lasted 18 minutes each. I'm reading up on Fox tracks and, and the, the uh, broadcast headquarter that was in charge of just the, the Fox tracks was called the puck truck. <laughs> Amazing. Oh man. I, 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 I know trucks aren't big in, in, in Europe, but I feel like there's a golden opportunity for a truck company, you know? Uh, Bodie, if truck. Puck if Puck rolled up the cuss the cuss bus and the puck truck. If, if Puck if Puck rolled up in an F one fifty, would you support her? No, why would you do that? There's there's no utility to F one fifty. Now if there was like a little Subaru sandbar or some little tiny little truck, that's all you need. The pucks are small. You don't need a big truck. Those like little Japanese work trucks. Yes. Those tiny, yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, should we talk about cyclocross? <laughs> Wait, no, no, sorry. I, I have to, you, no. you mentioned, you mentioned rip sports illustrated. So I just, I just need to say this. I found out this, the storm that's hit the rest of the country. Uh, I found out through the news, through a viral video that the Olympic gold medalist, Oksana Bayul, who was, Highly featured in my Sports Illustrated for Kid subscription when I was in uh, middle school. Lives in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, I just, she was, uh, her her yard froze over and she went out and did some ice skating with her kid. And the video went viral. And everybody in New Orleans is like, Oksana Bayou lives in Shreveport, Louisiana? That's, sorry, that's my little segue about Sports Illustrated. Should we talk about cyclocross? Yes, please. (laughs) Do you think Oksana would come to one of your uh, bandit cyclocross races? No. <laughs> Should we talk about cyclocross? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this uh, women's race at Benidorm. Uh, I, it, I, I just so Benidorm is is um, it was interesting. Like on the bulletin Slack, I think that you know, it's been really cool. There's been a a, a big I think a growing uh, uh, group of people who have been showing up there kind of to do what we used to do on Twitter and and sort of have a conversation while the race is going on. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, being part of those. And it, it seemed to be some some mixed feelings, Bodhi, about about the, the course and the track and if it was good or if it was fun. I'm just going to say like straight out, one of my favorite – cyclocross spectating experiences of the year so far was Benidorm. I don't, I don't care that it wasn't like traditional cyclocross and there was no mud and there was no like, you know, hard, like technical areas. It was just fun racing. I mean, it was just exciting racing. Both, both the elite races were just like, just bangers. I mean, I think we saw this last year. I think this is part of the reason why we were so pumped about Benidorm. And I talked about it where it, you know, sat in the schedule and all the riders are in Spain. And I just think, you know, I posted in the bulletin, you know, there was an article in HLN, Het Lost News or whatever, Het Newsblad. And they did a survey of the 10, like 10 riders and unanimous riders. And they, talked about the world cups and the races and and their what i got was that you know the racers want more money they want less races that makes sense uh but they want to go places where there seems to be fans and engagement and one of the places they listed was like benidorm 
and Troy. Troy S. Troy yeah? Troy? Troy. 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 Like, like three. Troy. Okay. Those places which have the crowds. And you saw that in Benidorm. And if you watched Puck's, um, you know, pre-ride video, like all the fans were screaming Puck and, and yelling at her and she was giving high fives. And you can just see that. There is a lot of folks there. We know that Spain has a has a has a series. You know, Felipe Orts is you know six time national champion. They've got a lot of cross going on there. So just it seems to really fit in the schedule really well in the calendar, and it has a thriving scene. And we because the riders we get there, we get really good racing, and it's really fast. And that's a style of cross. And they are using like two parts of a park. It's in an urban area. I don't know. These are all things that I love about cyclocross. Like think about the X2O race urban cross. Similar vibe. Just, you know, a little farther south. So Benidorm is, yeah, maybe not the most amazing course, but you put the right people in that course and you're going to have fireworks. And we did. It was great. I also think that it's not what most of Spanish cyclocross is like. I think a lot of Spanish cyclocross is closer to like the Basque country. It's muddy. It's hard. It's, it's kind of a, kind of a slog. So this is, this is different even, even for, for the Spanish cyclocross scene. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I, I was thinking about it today and, and I think we're going to talk about the, the road climb, which I think is one of the greatest parts of this course. And I, I was, I was trying to be honest with myself and I think that I would put a road climb, a paved climb in one of in in my top five greatest cyclocross features. This specific one? Yeah, this are one. you saying this one from Benedict? Okay. Wow. That climb. Just because it is it just tells us so much and it just shows so much and it's just placed in such a great place in the course like after those little turns like you have to be there and just just you have people waiting you know when they're going to attack yeah it looks like a road race but that's fine like cyclocross is supposed to take in all these different types of races and sort of you know clutch them together into 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 what we we love about the sport and yeah that that climb especially this year was i think one of I mean, I, I was just, I kept putting in the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the Slack channel that I was just giddy. Every time they were coming back to that time, I was just giddy to see what was going to happen next time up there. It was, it was when, you know, Puck and Femme and Salen were on that climb. And it was again, when, when the leaders in the men race and Vanderpool just destroying people. I, yeah. I think that that, at least for now, recency bias, everything else right now, Benidorm climb in my top five right up there with the kill top five cyclocross wow that's impressive no more off camber the kiln benedorm climb copenberg climb look two two non-dirt climbs in my top five uh so i definitely i i I definitely agree with uh with bodie that you know this course is set up it's given us really good racing and that's really what we want i guess to take a little bit of a different tact uh, you know, just thinking back to some of the races, Bill, that you were covering and really what racing a Belgian cyclocross season is, is it it just it wears on you. I think that, you know, you get into the winter and it's why riders are going to Spain and stuff like that. It's just like it gets tiring. It gets kind of old watching the same thing. It's just like, oh, another slog. Like, you know, there's even like cobbled climbs at some races like over Isa and, and Namur. But like, 
they're slogs. Like it's not that dynamic level of racing. And I just kind of wonder if this provides an opportunity for riders to kind of be rejuvenated and really is a nice, perfect way to get back into the last two weeks going into the world championships. Uh, you know, and I, I, I'm trying to remember if last year there was anyone and, you know, we've gotten some prodding to overreact to this, but initial returns are there's at least one dude who looks incredibly rejuvenated from this opportunity. And I just kind of wonder if it's a good, you know, they have the fans, like Bodie said, that was a great point. Um, and the riders want to race there and it's a good opportunity. It fits with training camps. We got one more little wout and one little more pitters before wout goes and grows his, um, you know, his Flanders beard goes away for a while. Uh, so yeah, I kind of like it. And I, I don't think every race needs, uh, w- do we need another muddy sloggy race in Europe? Typically these were in France. I feel like the, the week before Hooger Haida. And if you want a race that's potentially sloggy, who knows if it's not like worlds, you can watch Hooger Haida next weekend. So women's race at Ben and Dorm. The quad yeah. squad was there. Yes. Who's the quad or, squad again? Give me the four. The... <laughs> Refresh our memory. The quad squad. Femme, Puck, Celine, and Lucinda. That's the quad squad. And you know what? It's nice of them to finish top four, so there could be no doubt in anybody's mind who were the four best riders. Um, but I... I, I I was excited for this race because we had them all together again. They've been sort of doing different tracks, injuries, uh, getting sick, um, different schedules, training camps, whatever. They all come together in Spain at Benendorm. Um, and I think we saw, I think we saw a femme who was a lot healthier, ready to go. We had, you know, brand fresh off winning national champs on a broken nose, hardo alert, and then you had Puck and Celine, who was kind of ill, but still defending that World Cup overall jersey. Um, and unfortunately, Brand sort of missed the move in the beginning. I guess she crashed. And so we had a battle between the three of them, uh, Puck, Femme, and Alvarado. And I think that it, you know, it was tight the entire race. We saw attacks up the hill. We saw moves. We saw, um, but it came, it came down to, I don't know, that's not the last... Second to last corner, right, guys? Is it? It's the the corner before the sprint, um, the sprint before the sprint. And we knew from last year that that finish line sprint, especially in the men's race, was like super short. Um, so I think the organizers did make it longer. It seemed like not much, but it did seem like it was a bigger sprint. Um, yeah, and we had you know Puck and and Fem going to to the last corner, the the move, the inside move by Femme was so surprising. I, 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 I yelled and I scared my cat. Um, and that's what you want from a cross race, right? You, an, a, enough excitement that you scare the cat. To me, it looked like I felt like Puck was just resigned to losing that race. It kind of looked like, like, you know, I mean, she put in some you think moves. the entire time or you know, the, the last the, lap once she didn't drop her on the climb and then, you know, as she was sitting on the front and Femme was just sitting there and, you know, Puck was like, well, I'm just going to lead from the front. Didn't get a gap. I mean, actually hopping the planks, 
I don't know what it was because I actually was curious how last year's race finished and Femme actually hit the planks first and Puck was unable. This was the race where we had some argy-bargy where they were elbowing, uh, had a little bit of that going on. But Puck didn't get an advantage versus Femme running. And I just I felt like she left the door wide open on that turn. I, I guess it's interesting that you were excited because I just saw Puck going wide left and I was like, that's a big opening and there's not many corners left why are you not just jamming that on the inside especially knowing that there's a short sprint so it just it to me it seemed like one of those where you you just get kind of resigned you're like i'm gonna probably not gonna win this and you make a huge mistake or whatever instead of like riding like you're gonna win and making that move Hmm. i don't know yeah it seemed like that's sort of what i saw that in the way celine rode she was chasing a lot of the race came back on that last lap, caught them and just like rode right past them. But like it, like there wasn't much oomph to her, like ride past them. She did the same thing on the climb and where she was just like, I'm going to just keep riding my speed. Um, they're going to eventually drop me. Puck did talk about that last corner. I think, I think she sort of like admitted that there was a mistake and that she kind of realized she left it open. And like, she's, she puts, she like tried to cut it like she realized that she was going too wide and then try to close it down and had the elbow out. But uh, Femme slid in there. I, I think what she said, and, and I think that it, it makes sense if you, if you see it, is that, well, let me start here. One of the most exciting last laps I think we've seen this year, I would argue the most exciting last half lap that we've seen. You know, we talked about the sprint before the sprint before the sprint. Uh, Puck knew, you could tell that she knew Femme's stronger. She's like, Femme is a stronger racer right now. I need to drop her somewhere. And yeah, she couldn't do it on the climb. She thought that she had that, um, you know, that she'd held held back that card where if she's riding those planks and she gets there first, that that's going to be an advantage. She's going to be able to help, hold. It didn't work. You know, Femme was able to close that gap. I think what she was trying to do coming into that last corner where it, it certainly looked, and, and in the end, Zach, you're absolutely right. She left that door wide open, but I think it was not, the way she looked at it, it wasn't, it was a strategical decision turned out to be the wrong one versus a mistake. What she thought she could do is if she came up high, she could kind of like shoot down into the turn and, and be in front of her and have that momentum from coming up high straight down and take that momentum to the finish. And she, what she said in her interview was like, Femme was just coming too fast. Like, you know, the thing was like, she was trying to make this move and she just was kind of like, shocked that Femme was already there. By the time she made the move, it was already too late. She was there. She tried to throw a little elbow and it just was, you know, it wasn't happening. It was already, it was already too late. So I think that was the plan. She was like, I have this bike length. I can do this move. I can go up high. I can shoot down and be ahead. And Femme was like, not happening. It just like turbo boosted through there and was able to cut off any advantage she had to take the win. So in retrospect, in hindsight, a mistake, but I think at the time, you know, it was, she had to do something to try to win that race. She had to get an advantage somewhere, and she figured that was that was the point. So I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Just that whole thinking it through. It's like you, you hear when they're talking about this, and you're like, "Yeah, you've you've really thought about this." The other thing that I can sit there and tell you all this is because Puck Peterson is one of the greatest interviews out there. 
It's just so engaging, so mm-hmm. knowledgeable, keeps it fun, keeps it, you know, it tells you exactly what you want to hear. Why the UCI has not made her like the face of cyclocross. She's already doing it for them. She does these pre-rides. She does everything else. It's like she should be, they should be paying her to promote this sport because she just makes it fun. Femme's great too, but it's not this, she just doesn't have that same personality. You know, she's didn't Puck more. start the podium selfie as well? And like now that's literally yeah. an official thing. Like the men do it. Like everybody has to do it. I mean, 100%, did you, Bill. Yeah, and she's, you know, and, and the champagne, you know, and it just everything else, you know, she's just, she's everything you want about this sport, like she, she has. She's a great ambassador. I, I 100% agree. And, um, yeah, just watching, I, I, I think that's it. It's like a, it's like she's on the track. Bill kind of reminds me, speaking of like classics, like she's at the end of Roubaix and, and going up high to sort of get that momentum because it is sort of an off camber turn. It slopes down towards the finish. So, yeah. Fem came fast. The the important thing too about the end of this race and Alvarado coming in third is that she clinched the overall for the World Cup before going to Hogerheide, which is huge for her because if you remember the 2019-2020 season, Zillin came into Hogerheide with the lead for the overall for the World Cup, slid down the off-camber, Emery Worst passed her, won the race, won the World Cup on that day. So I think I think if anything, Alvarado is like, may not have won this race, but don't have to go into Hogerheide defending the defending the title already already got it secured so i think that was a that was a huge victory for her as well anything else notable on this on this women's women's side i mean again such man, just such a such a great great race at the front I, mean, I think we had so we had you know we had the front three we also had brand in the back racing well not in the back and in the, in the group racing for fourth you had brand blanca Voss and casasola in a group racing together, which, you know, Voss has kind of been up and down this season, not, you know, came back from injury. Good to see her kind of really going at it. And, you know, maybe this is a course that suits her a little better. Um, But Brand able to sort of at the end beat both those riders. Uh, I'm looking at Verdun shot in seventh and, and Sana in 11th. And I unfortunately never watched the Belgian women nationals, but I just... I so saw Verdansha and the season she had winning Belgian Nats. I know it was a tight race. I know it came down to a sprint. I probably still got to watch that, but she's having, you know, a really good year. All right, Zach, you, you um, threatened in our last episode to potentially, maybe, possibly overanalyze Benidorm instead of overanalyzing Hoger Heide. Is there anything you can take away from this women's race to that will foretell what we have to look forward to in the world championship? I don't think so for the women. I think for the men. I, I think there's a lot more on the men's side. I nothing It's kind of chalk on the women's side. Nothing right? here surprises me. I mean literally the same top two as last year. Uh Shereen Van Androy was there. Uh I'm the the race I'm watching you know, I still just have, I think Femme is going to win Worlds. Uh, that just seems like that's going to happen, especially on that Tabor course. 
thing I'm watching is who's going to finish fifth. Uh, so Ooh. after this one, I, isn't that it's probably the most interesting thing to me I right like now it. i i will be proven wrong puck will somehow win worlds y'all will come back to this <laughs> and be like zach you're an idiot i'm totally okay with that it has not been uh you know my best january of of, of following cyclocross and doing this but i'm curious you know because i think we looked at like zoe backstead but then vosh is there casasola has been when been balling out and you know verdon shots not too far behind but before we get to that uh, Bill, uh, Vosh is twenty three, Casasola twenty five. Does this qual? Does that qualify as a pony camp? Was Lucinda running <laughs> the pony camp? Because those three were together. They were like the three of them were together for a good chunk of that race. I, I don't think so because I feel like the pony camp. I think it's too high up in the in the standings for it to be okay. A pony. Okay, camp, great. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like it was like. The, the pony camp is more like, oh, look at Sane in 10th, like taking these kids around the course and showing them what cyclocross is about, you know, or like in 15th. But I, I think with like, like Vosh, we already know is like, I mean, not only a, a, a math wizard, she's also, you know, a, a, <laughs> the best part a is like, that's becoming Jesus. an oldie but goodie. Like that was like three years ago. I, I love know, this. Like least, we've been doing this so long that that's like becoming an oldie but goodie. <laughs> but I'm sticking with you know to go to your original question. I'm sticking with Casasola. I, I I said that last week. I'm I'm sticking with her. I think you know I'm I'm pretty sure Zoe's racing U23, right? Isn't oh, she that's a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. So she's not going to be in there. Her and I mean that's Schreiber. that's actually the battle to watch. Marie Schreiber has been owning Zoe here in these in a lot of these races. So I think that's you know if we're looking at that U twenty three matchup, those are the Ooh, those are the two I think names you're right. to watch. Yeah. And right now Schreiber really is. Um, I think I think she's leading the the World Cup and also um kind of taking it to Zoe. Um, no, it was nice to see it was nice to see Blanca Vosh back there. You know she got she got she got to do a road race. She was happy. <laughs> um, going down this list further, 15th place, Magalie Rochette. Um, this morning I, I read her CX Fever email and I just, you know, talking about Puck being really sort of the face of cross and really doing a lot for the sport. So the value she adds. I also think that I, I want to recognize Magalie is so like open, um, with what she what it takes to be an athlete and what she's going through. And she's, she's very vulnerable, puts herself out there. That's also like, I hate to equate that to value, but like that is also like a big part of sport and, and why we watch it. And we're getting this inside um, look at how an athlete deals with adversity. And just, you know, like she said, you know, she had a good race. She got 15th. It's not the best result, but it's a good result. And sometimes there is, there are these, you know, I always talk, there's other stories there uh, than the front of the race. And I just want to, I want to like, you know, give props to Magali for putting it out there in that way and letting us on in the inside. She uh, writes really good newsletters. Um, and that's, that's something worth following too. That's a story worth telling. I'm glad she does it. Uh, you know, it makes me cheer for her and and watch her in the in the ticker, and then you know know that hopefully I'll see her up in the broadcast. You know, you know later on in the race. So I just want to just want to point that out. I, I think it's I'm glad she does that. You know, we have other athletes who are really good, and we don't know anything about them. 
and it's hard to follow their careers, it's hard to engage with them, you don't become a fan. And Maglead does a wonderful job at it, and uh, I just want to give her a shout out. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think, I don't know, just, just search for CX Fever. I'll bet you can uh, subscribe to that newsletter. Was, yeah, uh, definitely do that. It. Should we move over to the men's race? So much to talk about in this men's race. I, I know. Okay, we talked about the whites. Yep. We talked about the mustache. Yep. We talked about the the pre-ride. You know, I, I, I was joking about it when the race was going on. So uh, Vanderpool... How far did he ride? He rode from like the training camp to the the race. Is that this? This it was like forty k. Okay, um, so he did. He a 40K. has a house somewhere there, right? So he did a forty k ride to the race. Jumped into the race. I was joking that he was just you know his training peaks schedule said uh, easy ride and hill intervals um, for for his day, which kind of turned out to be the case until he ran into a pole, um, but. Let's just even start from the start, you know, with, with Vanderpool. Do we know what happened to him in the start? He had a mechanical at some point because he okay. was, yeah, after the start, he was like fixing something on his bike and fell a decent way back, but like not. He was like in the 30s. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, all the big three did not get a good start right. and which meant that you know we got to see yeah because wow was like 10 to 15 right and then pitcock was in the 20 somewhere and then van vanderpool was behind them which was pretty pretty wild because it wasn't it was like van Tornout was wasn't he like leading from the yeah start i feel like for Sweet. pitcock this year though that's been like a day ending in why in which he's racing uh is pitcock being like why is this guy back so far what is what what is going on here? So, you know, normal spot for him uh in the way he's been racing uh this season, I feel like. Uh, but yeah, I mean it was right. It was like it was super fast. And the thing is though, is that like Vanderpool got back and they were giving him, you know, the 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 hero cam, I'm assuming, be just because they were so excited uh that someone was wearing white bibs. Uh not not for other reasons, <laughs> but like you would look at it and they'd be like Vanderpool. 12th place 10 seconds back so like literally his place like was worse than the gap that he had to to face and i i think that was part of what made this court this race so interesting and this course so interesting is that unlike a super speedy course like this it's really hard to get away establish a gap and so repeatedly like you were never out of it you know i think vanderpool showed great patience he had the trump card uh bill's you know top five features in cyclocross history uh, or cyclocross right now, top five in cyclocross right do you want, now. Do you want me to go? Do you want me to go through them? I've listed them. Oh, wow. I did oh, okay. not realize. Okay. I thought, okay. No, I just, I just did this on the fly. Okay. So this, this, this may not necessarily be in order and I may, may be missing something here. The two way, two way sand at Coke Sida, the, uh, the pit, the kiln at uh, Zonhoven. The off camber at Namur, the Copenburg climb, and then what was in the past would have been the uphill off camber at Zolder. However, since they've just neutralized that completely, that falls out and now is replaced by the Benendorm um, road climb. Well, it's the Benendorm bike path. 
Benidorm bike path. Yeah. So those right now, I'm sure I'm missing plenty, but that's uh, that right now is my my top five. Top five. Put it on a shirt. Print it up. Bodie, where on your power rankings are the butt? Where do the butts rank? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a moment. I do have to say, I just want to, like, since we're talking about it, hopefully this makes the cut. My mom was losing, she was cracking up. She called me to tell me how much she loved <laughs> the butts segment. So your your bit was uh, Mrs. Schuster approved. But also visually, if we can go back to that, visually, I mean, you nailed it. When I went and put together <laughs> that, like, Instagram post, it was like, it was just spot on. I mean, some things, some images sear in a young adolescent mind and stick with you forever. You know, we humans make patterns and and there was a pattern that finally connected once I watched that cross race with the butts. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't I can't do it on a fly, but I feel like I'm going to have to come back next week with a top five most dumbest course features to sort of balance out Bill's um, awesome features. Let me, I want to go back to this climb though, and why? why I was going to say is, I feel like we can't. Is a top five, yeah. So it's just not. I mean, climbs are climbs, but what we didn't mention it when we were talking about the uh, women's race, but when Puck, Fem, and Salen got to that climb, Puck and Sal- Puck and Fem went into road mode, went into super Watts mode and just left sailing b- behind. It, like, it, it wasn't even close. It just gapped her right off there. When we got to this race, to this men's race, you know, we had Vanderpool who was all the way back. You know, Zach talked about how, you know, it's just a line. It's a single line. There's really nowhere to pass until you get to this climb. And, you know, Vanderpool was down in the 30s and the 20s. And he, at one point when he was, I think, like between 10 and 15, he got to this climb with the fastest cyclocross racers, the strongest cyclocross racers in the world. And he went by all of them like they were standing still. He went from like 11th to 5th or 4th, just passing them like they were standing still on this climb. So many watts, so explosive. It looked like not even much of an effort for him, and he was able to slot in there. You go a couple laps later, he's in the top three. It's Wout, it's Machu, and it's Tebow. Wout and Machu, these are guys, you know, have won classics, have have won stages of the Tour de France, and they come in there, the three of them, and Wout and Matthew do the same thing. They just like this insane, this just godly burst of watts, and they're able to sprint up this hill, and they just dust Tebow. You know, my comment was like, you know, welcome to the world tour, Tebow, because this is basically what it is. And it's just incredible to watch. And what what I was thinking while all of this was happening in the women's race and in the men's race is like, we talk about cyclocross. I wrote a freaking book on skills and cyclocross and how you gain a second here and a second there. And that's how you become a better cyclocross racer than your competition, even if you're at the same fitness level. And you can do all of that, but it is unmatched 
if you have this kind of power. And that's the difference. These guys have that much more power than anybody else, and that's why they're the greatest cyclocross racers. It makes me a little sad to know that that's what it comes down to. We can talk about all of the nuance, all of the skill. They have all of that. I, I agree, but they have all of that. But they also have this extra special something that nobody else has and nobody can match. And that's why they are able to do these gaps. You know, we saw just raw power, raw example of why Matthew Vanderpool is able to get a minute gaps on the field. And it was all just naked and out in the open on this climb. And that's, that's why I love it. Cause it was, just, it was, it was just sick. It was like, either you can do it or you can't. And the ones that can do it or at the front of the race. And there it is. It's like that cyclocross in a nutshell, as sad as it is on a paved climb. Yeah, I really appreciated the drone. So uh, it, to me, it was, you know, watching that and Bill, that's that's super well said. And I think that we've kind of hinted at that in the past. And, you know, I think this provides a perfect example of, you know, stuff that we've talked about. But, you know, first time they're doing the compression cam and you see him go by. And I, I swear there was like someone in like 15th just gives him this look like what just happened. And I was like, well, that's weird. Vanderpool just passed him. I'm like, well, OK. Uh, the next time Curtis is with him and he passes Curtis and Curtis just gives him this weird, weird look like what did I? And it's like, yeah, he's moving up. He's just passing people. Third time they go to the drone and you're just like, excuse my French. Holy, holy shit. Like he goes by Van Turnout. Van Turnout wasn't moving. Van Turnout was like, this is a guy who won European championships. I mean, the ferocity with which he passed them. It was, I, I don't know. It was perfect. I've just been like, I've been kicking this idea around for uh, making my comeback uh, to the bulletin. Um, apologies, folks. Again, apologies for all of our Bulletin subscribers. It's been really, really been struggling the last uh, couple of months with my real job. But I feel like I owe the world a follow-up to last year's piece of Matthew Vanderpool is so baffling right now to be like, I, I feel like one is warranted for we have seen the truth. We have seen the way. We have seen the light. And there's been these these moments, you know, that I've been watching in each of these races where he wins the race by crushing someone's soul. Like, and we say it figuratively in cycling. He probably has actually crushed some souls with these moves that he's made. And I think, like, if this one, if you could make this into a, a GIF and put this as, like, your evidence, exhibit A of, you know, Matthew Vanderpool and really what he's doing and the form that he's on, this is it. It's perfect. It was perfect. I Kudos to the drone person who probably knew what was going to happen like and you know they made sure to fly the drone right alongside him just absolutely incredible if you talk about like why you should enjoy watching matthew vanderpool race a bike that's it so my question to you though i i feel like again to wow what does what have a chance i some people out there saying oh just wait for the classics vanderpool will be cut down to size uh you know wow kind of stuck i felt like he kind of stuck with them, uh, you know, after Vanderpool had to do this a few times because he put himself in a hole. So how are you guys how are you feeling about how Wout handled this section? Or was it just kind of like how we would expect, like on the back foot, but not really getting dropped? I think I think you have to go to like his interview post race and, and, and where he felt that he was good. He thought the legs were good. Um, the, the win was the bonus. The the feeling in the legs was good. 
and you're right that one time he did get gapped um but then there's another time i think he he follows the wheel closely um it's, it's kind of funny also because there is a way to ride that hill defensively where we saw them wild on the front vantern out on the left they kind of box vanderpool in a bit um i don't know if you know that was on purpose but that just you know just get a little bit get mikey gets up a little bit closer to uh wow it's wheel he just kind of stymies any sort of attack but i think you know i think that vander we're seeing a really healthy vanderpool he's gone through a full winter healthy um wow is says he's feeling good vanderpool is saying he's been on a lot of training came into this race lost um, but you know, I think if he not, if he didn't hit that pole, I think he's probably still winning. I think looking ahead to, to the road season, I, I think we're going to see a really strong Vanderpool. Um, and I don't know if, wow, it's going to be able to beat him in the classics. Um, a lot of things can happen, but I'm, I'm liking seeing Wout's form, but I'm not sure it's beat Vanderpool without incident form. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But the the one place where I will give Wout a lot of credit to, and of course we haven't gotten to the the planks yet, uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to give him a lot of credit. But I think other than that section, what we saw from Wout, and you know, I was I went on this whole soliloquy about how the the power is the difference in cyclocross. The second part of that is that these guys still have incredible skill. And I think that what we saw from Wout on this course in these slippery in that they're super dry and slicks, like you can just slide out on him. The way he was attacking these off cambers and coming through, and it was almost like he almost looked like a ski racer going going through like gates. I mean, he just like just attacking each turning, attacking each each off camber and coming up and just really racing a, more aggressively than I think we've seen him, especially when he knew that Vanderpool had crash and it again is the thing that I think it makes cyclocross special and that you don't want to wish anything bad on people but it's like that is part of racing that is part of cyclocross and that's where you go and he was like this is the time I need to go and him and 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 you know Michael Van Tornout was the same way he was like wow this is when we go and they were just like full gas from that point on to the end of the race and you know and and both of them just like nailing these sections and i thought that was the most aggressive and kind of precise that we've seen wout race so that was pretty cool to see him back on 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 that form that you're like this guy's this guy's a world champion and then he got to that climb and he was able to dust van torn out who Again, you know, we're talking about Mikey V like winning European championships and then just like disappearing. He he had the race of his season, I think, just just keeping with him. Uh Wout gets the gap and um I had made the comment every lap. We you can go back to the Slack channel and see it. Every time Wout went over those planks, I was like it's an adventure. It's a scary adventure. And I even think that when they were all, when the, when they were together with Vanderpool, I think Vanderpool let off the gas a couple times so that he was not on Wout's wheel going over the planks. Cause he was like, 
this dude's sketchy. I don't want to be anywhere near him because this could be a yard sale at any second. And it was just like, he'd always like, like veer left or veer right. It was never the same. It was just like, it, it didn't look like it was easy to do those planks for anybody, but he was, he definitely looked like he was having trouble. And I think he knew he was having trouble. So comes to the end of the race, Zach. You, you, you just, you do what's safe, right? Right. You, you know, you made it this far, you know, you got the race one. Let's just not take any chances. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, you're not hopping the planks. You're not wow, clearly rusty. Uh, so why not dis- dismount? I, it's a simple skill. We've all, we've all done it before. <laughs> Hop back on your bike. <laughs> but how many, how many, how many of us like, you know, people out there racing cyclocross remembering our cat four and cat five days were like my man been there done that i know the move but weren't you just you were just you were just espousing him as a paradigm of cyclocross <laughs> technical craft you know the man that which is totally true Look, I mean, he has a history though he has a history of the the, the planks and if, if the man has kryptonite it's planks you know for, for he, he was didn't he did he break i think he broke ribs at one point years ago and then for years after that would not ride the planks like he was everybody else was was riding he was dismounting he finally got he was like okay i gotta go back to this and he was doing it but it was it just never looks good if there's ever like any other any kind of like minimal weakness in that guy's game it's the planks and i think he knows it and i think that's why he ran it because it was exactly no i think he noticed it's so funny because we're talking about puck and how she was thinking about thinking tactically what's the move to do i can't i'm not faster than femme let me let me try this move here get momentum wow van art in the box, Vanderpool has crashed. He just did that superhero effort of the client, dropping Mikey V. He's so close. Yeah, dismount. So who? My question cla- for you is who? Who? Who is the 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 bottom? You know the the bottom three among these as uh, plank hoppers: Lawrence, Lars, and Wout. Who are you taking as the winner of your bottom three? Sweck. Like you're saying, the better? No, the worst. Who's the worst? Do you three? think Swex bad? What, what Swex? What Swex? Uh, I'm 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 blanking on. Swex. Well, he the, crashed it to We have the Tabor oh, one. Okay. Lars, right, I got you. Lars yeah. would biff the barrier. I mean, I just I remember him biffing him at bomb once. I, you could just yeah. You, he's you could done just name a race. Lars has probably biffed yeah. the barriers there. I mean, he's short. <laughs> he's a small guy. All right, so there's a good club, um, but I, I, yeah, he falls, he crashes. Kudos to him. He tries. <laughs> to get on again and from my eye it looked like he didn't jump high enough again and kind of hit the no. saddle sideways isn't there a rule that you're not allowed to have downhill planks i believe yeah, that is i believe, I believe so. that is a rule okay weren't these yeah. downhill planks they look like downhill planks um unless it's up yeah i don't know yeah ha, ha, I- but uh, Bill, strong, but really, yes, the okay, reason no, why this happened is, look, wh- the reason why this happened is that, you know, Wout has a move. Wout has a move. When we talk about riders, do a post-up move. You need a post-up move. Come up with a post-up move. You know, we've been we've been begging this. And Wout has a move. It's the Titanic. And you the know Titanic. what? <laughs> this was all just a ploy by Wout. 
because this is his last race. Who knows if he's even going to race cyclocross next year? This could be like his last race till he's like doing an American tour or something after his American gravel season. He's like, hey, I'm just going to jump in at go cross. Could be a while. <laughs> he was just setting up. He wanted to drop a Titanic. Boom. So, so to be able to prepare for that, he need his saddle off of the rails. I mean, what's the we're, we're talking about watts, Bodie. What's the what's the amount of watts it takes to to dislodge a saddle from from the rails? That's got to be like a seven hundred watt kick knee, seven hundred watt knee kick. Um, I mean, I don't know. You call it the Titanic. I mean, I, I, the way that he impaled himself and then he was like Jesus on the cross. I mean, that's what I'm seeing, like sacrificing for our sins for cyclocross is Wout Van Art, who is known as God in one of my chat groups. I mean, it just, yeah, but also he, but he's just like us, right? It's, it's, oh my gosh, the parallels, um, (laughs) are there he crashes too he's just like you um it's amazing he he it's like he didn't he didn't do the thing where he i've jumped on my rear tire before that's that that hurts he 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 missed that one but do you think do you think guys did he do this because he raced on his gravel bike maybe the the bottom bracket was i don't know i'm trying to make a no even wait but like let's go back to this i mean the dude didn't stand the rest he sat on his seat post clamp he sat on his seat post clamp there was enough well, and I, he, there was still rails no, I there, think there he yeah he the sat rails. on rails well, yeah, yeah he, but he was it, on the rails i'm just saying like if there were no rails literally. if it was a different seat post clamp if it was one of those that just has the twisty turny thing yeah. at the top that I, but like he made the right equipment choice. Like, you know, we talk about all that. Maybe the equipment choice is to have a nice platform that you can ride it out. I was like, he's sitting down. And my other question is, it's a cyclocross race. You know, for fans there, you you don't see everything that's going on. If you're a fan on that last quarter, what are you thinking? You're like, wow. You're like, is is he missing his saddle? Like literally what just happened? I, I could imagine that it just had to be like a total, like what WTF moment for fans being like, oh, what just happened here? Well, I mean, right now on the weight weenies, uh, you know, <laughs> listserv, everybody's like, Hey guys, I think the reason he won is because that, that 50 grams that he saved by not having a saddle for those, for those la- that last half watt, that was like that was like two watts, and that that was the difference between him uh, winning and losing. So I think next season I'm going to race cyclocross without a saddle. <laughs> so I there there is there's a guy who who uh, he is like a influencer in the it was in the Zwift world. Uh, his name is Chad. You wouldn't be surprised. His name is Cycle Jockey. His entire shtick is riding without a saddle. We're talking like. Centuries. Like on a trials bike or just like no 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 riding like centuries. He is a Zwifter and now he rides outside. Uh his name is Chad. That's all you really need to know about him. Uh don't look him up. <laughs> uh he seems like kind of a tool, um, but he rides without a saddle. So Chad is like, wow, my man. He's like he's like asking him for royalties. Stealing, he's like, I demand royalties. Still <laughs> stealing my bit. What's coming from my bit? Um, so guys, like we're going to, let's wait, over- wait, wait, okay. hang on. 
What do you think the winning bid on Spanish eBay is for yeah. Wout Saddle? Yeah. 420? Did you look it up? Race, wa- race worn. Wait, did you look it up? <laughs> I assume you looked this up, Bodie. No? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i assuming someone, like, gave it. Do you think someone gave it back? I mean, like, that's oh, no, a souvenir. No, no. I mean, he also you, lost his sunglasses. Don't you just go up to him and say, hey, can you sign your saddle for me? That I mean... I feel like he would do that. Like I that's, think he would do it. That's a great story. I mean, someone, okay, one of the Bulletin subscribers has to know, like has seen this on social media, on the dark web, what happened to Wout Saddle? I mean, this is almost a slow ride podcast beat. Like what happened to Wout Saddle? Like who knows? It's it's like the donkey they're always looking for, um, George's donkey. But also, also Wout lost his sunglasses too. So he... he <laughs> He lost a saddle and his sunglasses. And then he rode, like Zach said, on the rails um, and made sure that he could do his post-up. He's only going to get one chance to do it, so he may as well take (laughs) advantage of it. (laughs) So if we're going to overreact to some some stuff, guys, who won the weekend? Because I know my answer. Who won the weekend? Ooh, who won the weekend? Two days. There's actually some races on Saturday, so... You know, with just big... Not just specifically results, but, like, in the arc of things, you know, the directions things are going. You know, did Wout win the weekend because he finally beat Vanderpool? Did Femme win the weekend because she won again? You know, who won the weekend? Who won the weekend for you guys? I mean, people who take footage from the broadcast and make memes because i mean the memers won i mean like we had vanderpool <laughs> ran into the pole that's amazing <laughs> was, well done sir <laughs> wow lost his saddle i mean we had rg bargy i mean galore yeah the memers won t-bone ness won third place at the world cup seven seconds behind van art the guy is peaking but I bring this up only because Timon S is being brought in front of the court of cyclocross radio in that he posted on Instagram after getting third place at this world club cup. And I think this goes right in the same category of not being able to give yourself a nickname Tebow declared himself back. No, no, you, you, you don't know. You, you can't do that. I, man, that's a bold statement, man. I, wait, he wasn't wait, wait, my, hang on. he was not my pick he, anyway, <laughs> but now he's definitely not my pick. Maybe he edited this bill. He, oh. he, there's a, there's a question mark. There was no question mark in what I screen capped. So he is asking. Is there an ellipse and then a question mark? No, there's just a question mark. It's back. That dude edited that. He he knew we were. He knew this was happening. (laughs) I have I I have the receipts in our tech threat. Someone said, "You little shit, you can't post that." It's like, yeah, you're right, you're right, right. But I better ask my fans. What do the people say? I'm curious. I'm just gonna. Oh, I'm wrong. just gonna go ahead since you know we're just 
spitballing here. I'm going to give all credit to Chad Brown. I know that he's a fan of the pod. And so he just, he knew. So he saw that from one of his athletes and he was immediately on the phone, you know, on the horn, probably has Tebow's direct line, was text him, was like, hey man, you're going to get dragged by a podcast with, you know, 1200 listeners in America. Like you, you can't do this. You just can't do this. And he's like, oh. 1200 don't sell us so short zach you don't give away the numbers like those are 20 trade secrets oh sorry sorry <laughs> i am aware bill that it is more listeners than that i, I just know. didn't want to give away trade secrets i just don't, don't want people to, to be like you know this is this is gospel uh, so my winner of the weekend is mikey v mikey v takes the dub in a nothing race whatever he's playing against the B squad. Someone mentioned that like, what was it like 2017, you know, sub toppers wanted their, their racers back. I think Merlier was in there. Um, <laughs> Vermeers, Vermeers in there. So, you know, it was Mucin in fifth. Oh, it, 2017 sub toppers want their results back. But he follows it up with really great race. Finishes second. Mikey V's that rider, you know, who crashed early. We thought he was looking good. Had the shoulder thing. Really hasn't shown good form. He showed up like a true champion, uh, the heart of a champion at European Championships. Again, didn't really do anything the rest of the season. Trip to Spain, though, might have done my man some while. You know, that's what I'm saying. This could be a rejuvenation for folks. I think that... I just not Is rejuvenation a way of not saying that word. Wait, why? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I'm not going to overreact though. I, I, I think okay. that this is one piece of evidence, but I will say that I feel like both Mikey V and Tebow Ness have put themselves in a position to be in a position heading into the world championships. That's a, I nice, agree. that's a nice rally too, because it's that's like eighteen hundred kilometers from Zanabeka to to Benidorm. So that's a flight. So that's like finish your race, be packed, go to the airport, jump on a plane, you know, be there like late that night and ready to race the next day. I, I, he I, did I it in the morning. That. Oh, he did it that morning. He took a 6 a.m. flight. Yeah. Nice. Even better. I guess, again, going with Benidorm, don't really need to get but so many recon laps in there. <laughs> Not true. too much. I mean, if you can, if you put out some watts on that hill, you can just like kind of cover up for a lot of uh, mistakes on the other stuff because uh, right. build some gaps I, there. I do. I, I, so. This is going to be weird because I'm bringing up myself getting mentioned on the on the on the broadcast uh, for Zana Becca, but I do. Okay, so Powers was nice enough to get, give me a shout out here because uh, Yanni Vermeersch was um, grabbing the post and then swinging himself around, and Powers referred to this as the Vermeersch, and I think he was trying to refer to Vermeersching and just just to set the record straight. Here, this this was not Vermeersching. What he was doing, there was a section there that a really nice post that you could just grab and swing around. That is known as the picket fence. That is the picket fence. You grab it, you stay on your bike, and you just whip yourself around. That's that's the picket fence. Vermeersching is if he would have dismounted, grabbed the post, had his bike by the. St- 
stem, outstretched, whipped it around in the air, and then gotten back on it. That would be Vermeer Shing. So, Jeremy, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I do. I love it. I thank you very much. I got some some texts like, hey, man, he called, shouted out, you out on the broadcast. Sweet. But let's just, you know, I just want to get the the vernacular straight. Pick a fence. You're on the bike. Vermeer Shing, you're off the bike. I'm going to have to be educated here. I really thought you were going to say he grabs it by the stem, he whips it around, and then he thwacks another rider. I thought that I thought Vermeersching, right? Because we had the great we had the great fencing incident, right? We brought Vermeersching no, no, Verme- back. Vermeersching was just like that was the, the the age when when bikes finally got light enough that you could you didn't have to have two hands on your bike. I mean, you could control a bike just with one hand and you were coming around and just like just dragging that bike through the through the mud or whatever else and just like with with one hand on a post and another hand just with your bike just like dragging it behind and whipping it around. So was that is is Vermeersht separate than Vermeersching? Cuz I feel like that there was, was a, that there was, was ultimately Vermeersht is to have some yeah. like crash into you or <laughs> grab a fence and jingle toss and open the, the fence into another <laughs> The conjugation of this verb is complex. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but, but the original Vermeersching is just to swing your bike around. The whole fencing part of it just brought Vermeersching to a, to a, to a whole new jingle cross like craziness level. But wasn't there another incident that he was well known, like where he like did something that flacked into another was, rider? He like, was like he had a tra- reputation because the fence. Yes. Because we, we had to do on the fly uh, reputation rehabilitation because we were like, oh, yes. he, he vermeersed someone. But it, that wasn't his fault. But there was definitely one that was his fault before. Oh, no. He, he basically called me out in an interview I did with him about stuff where he was like, I've gotten this bad reputation. I really am not that type of a, a, a racer. And it was, it, was kind of, it was kind of that moment where you're like face to face with the guy and you're like, okay, I, I, I know we're just kind of like joking around and I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> we're just we're just some dumb Americans here trying to have fun. Uh, but vermeersching still is a pretty cool verb. Sorry, <laughs> we're still going to use it. Don't please don't vermeersch me. <laughs> I, I like I like I like I like Yanni Vermeersch. I like when I was at Ardoya and he um, got a special call up to the podium because that's where he's from. It wasn't racing the race, but he was. You know, they were. Um, honoring the gravel world champion at that at that race which was right. freaking amazing so yeah uh, he's he's one out here for and 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 look it, it, he's another example of a guy and i it, i think we see this that i don't think i i could be completely wrong this could be completely off base but i don't think yanni vermeersch gets a professional world tour road contract without his success in cyclocross I, I think that's where he was known. That's where he made his name. That's where he showed like his racing skill. He was put on a road team that was able to perform there. And now he's like legit, you know, world tour road racer, which is pretty sweet. Uh, as you said, he's a world champion. Yeah, and he's world champion. It, anything else we need? To, I mean, we kind of mentioned Vanderpool crashing, and then Vanderpool deciding that, um, in true. Vanderpool fashion that this race shouldn't happen and that it's not for him. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Which, I mean, come on. He, he is our king for a reason. <laughs> the guy's got opinions. Um, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, and uh, Bodie, the, who's, who's, leading, who's leading the streaks at this point? So I'm glad you asked. Uh, I, think, I think streak tweets. Uh, sorry. The, the biggest streaks we will Street get. Streetixes? X streets. The how do I say this? Okay, Vanderpool lost uh, on on Sunday. His his streak was was at ten for the season, thirteen counting last year. He's not gonna. He's gonna race Hogerhide. He's gonna race Worlds. The streaks are over for the big top guys. Fem Van Ampel had the largest streak of the season. She's the winner of the streak tweet. This year with eleven, um, I, I just have but, to. I want to butt in. I was actually at when Vanderpool started. I was going to ask who would exit the season with the largest streak. You know him or Van Empel, and I didn't ask it because it just seemed like it was a no brainer that Vanderpool was going to win every race he entered this year. And now I kind of regret it. Kind of regret it. Yeah, and Bill, did you put a prop in the bulletin? About whether or not Vanderpool would lose in the calendar year. I did. Yeah. And people were like, I don't think anybody took it. I feel like I feel like it was I feel like it was split. I feel like we'll have to go back, but I feel like a lot yeah. of people were like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's kicking ass. And I feel like there's always that one race. There's always that one pull um that takes the van out. So yeah. Pull so, on pull on pull violence. Yeah, pull on. Yeah. Should we end it there? I guess so. Anything else we need to talk about? Going? Michael? Michael? What you got? I'm going to end it. What you got? 13 is not always an unlucky number. Wout's parents got married on July 13th, so it could be a good number. It's all about your attitude. We'll see you next week.